ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody, and welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Sad news out of Charlotte, North Carolina today with the passing of Bruton Smith at 95 years old. Bruton Smith, of course, the founder of SMI Speedway Motorsports Incorporated. He was born in March of 1927, the youngest of nine children, a U.S. Army vet, and always had a dream of promoting races. In fact, he promoted his first race before he was 18 years old. Easily one of the greatest promoters of all time. He built Charlotte Motor Speedway in 1959, which opened in 1960. He was the class of 2016 NASCAR Hall of Fame. And certainly the waves of his passing are making its rounds in the NASCAR world. Jim France, of course, of the France family, uh, started NASCAR, had this to say. Race fans are and always will be the lifeblood of NASCAR Few knew this truth better than Bruton Smith. Bruton built his racetracks employing a simple philosophy. Give race fans memories they will cherish for a lifetime. In doing so, Bruton helped grow NASCAR's popularity as the preeminent spectator sport. His vision and legacy inspired many, and his fan-first mentality remains today through his son, Marcus. On behalf of the France family and all of NASCAR, I offer my deepest condolences to the family and friends of Bruton Smith, a giant of our sport. We welcome now Nate Ryan is with us. Nate, you've certainly been covering this sport a long time and understand just how big a thing that, that Bruton Smith is and has always been uh, to this sport. What does a day like today mean when so many people felt like this was this was going to happen? And we certainly knew. Yeah, I think we just heard it there, Rhett, from the Jim France statement. Superlatives like that have really been pouring in the last couple of hours since we've known of the death of Bruton Smith. He's a Hall of Famer, he's a visionary, he's a pioneer, he's one of the greatest, most passionate track promoters of all time. But I think most importantly, uh, the legacy of Bruton Smith is he made racetracks a better place for fans. He always said that we work for the fans. That was the motto, the mantra at Speedway Motorsports. And I think that is the legacy that Bruton Smith maybe leaves the most in NASCAR, an immense, huge, gigantic legacy, you know, 11 racetracks, some of the biggest races in NASCAR history. But I think most importantly is what he did to make those racetrack experiences more enjoyable for fans. And, and really one of the last great links we have to how this sport started, the originality of it. Uh, now we're going to bring in uh, another friend, Jerry Caldwell, president of Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, Jerry, thank you for joining us. I'm sorry it's under uh, these circumstances, but you certainly have uh, have been a long time 
a friend of Bruton, gotten to work with him a lot. Um, what is his passing, and, and ultimately, what did Bruton mean to you? Well, thank you, guys. Uh, glad to join you. Sorry on uh, for these reasons. It's a, certainly a sad day for us at Speedway Motorsports, but uh, what a legend. Um, you know, the the greatest of all times is what you think of when you think of Bruton Smith. And he, he certainly, for all of us who call ourselves race fans, uh, we are better off because of him. He had a such a tremendous impact on our sport. He was a true innovator, uh, promoter, the best of the best. And uh, we're just blessed to have been able to be led by uh, one of the greatest. You know, Jerry, we, we've seen with Bruton's help and interaction, he really did. He was one of those people that helped grow this sport to not only be a household name, but something that so many people love to share and, and talk about. What do you think was the thing that he taught you most about interacting with those fans and, and how they were so important to this business and this sport? Well, I think, number one, he was the biggest race fan I knew. Uh, he loved motorsports, the sport of NASCAR, uh, NHRA, all forms of motorsports. But he was the biggest race fan I knew, and he loved to have fun. He would all the time encourage us during race times or anytime you'd talk to him. Now, are you having fun? Are we having fun with what we're doing? And, and then he knew that if we were having fun, we all worked for the race fan was the other thing he reminded us. And if we were having fun, then we were going to be taking care of the race fans and making sure they were having fun. Uh, he wanted them to have an amazing experience every time they came to the racetrack and be able to go back and bring a friend with them the next time. Jerry, we all know that Charlotte Motor Speedway was the first racetrack that Bruton Smith built, but I know that Bristol Motor Speedway really held a special place in his heart. That was one of the crown jewels I think he viewed as in the Speedway Motorsports portfolio. And he changed that facility that, that you're in charge of there. I mean, built the grandstands up into the sky, you know, 160,000 people there. Um, what do you think, when you think of Bristol and the legacy that Bruton leaves at Bristol, like what, what stands out to you the most about how he transformed the racetrack where you work at? Well, he saw that vision from 1996, 97, when he bought the place. He knew then that he was going to put 150 to 160,000 seats in. He was going to completely bowl the place in. And then he set out on this engineering marvel, uh, and he never stopped. He always wanted to find something new to build, something more for the race fans, uh, hanging Colossus over the top of it, the largest center-hung um, TV, and, you know, on and on to the amazing races that we put on, the pre-race shows, the battle at Bristol, you know, his vision for the world's largest football game to be able to see that come together. Um, you know, the, the impacts that Bruton has made on this sport and Bristol Motor Speedway will go on for a long, long time. You know, it's crazy when you, when you think about it, you know, from, uh, from the time I've gotten to spend with Eddie Gossage, all, all Bruton's work at Texas Motor Speedway, all the other tracks, but, but you mentioned it's not just NASCAR, it's all of racing. I mean, four-wide drag racing couldn't have happened without this guy. He was the ultimate promoter. Did you ever hear, you know, there were so many different tales of, of him as a promoter in the early days of how he was getting there. Was there kind of one story that you always sort of held on that, that you felt like really was exactly who Bruton is in all of his promotion? Well, you know, I think I mentioned it a minute ago, but in a lot of ways, I think uh, the battle at Bristol was that. If you think about a uh, the largest football game in history, 160,000 people, he had that vision for 20 years. 
And, um, you know, he never, <laughs> I lived it many times. He never heard someone say no when he didn't want to hear no. And he would just keep coming back to that of how do we make it happen? How do we make it happen? And he never lost that vision and would continue to push. And then when we got it, he wanted to make sure it was the biggest and best event that it could be. And that's such Bruton. He's always, he was always pushing the envelope, pushing us, uh, even as leaders and, and folks that worked here for him at Speedway Motorsports, always pushing us a little further than we realized we could go. But he saw it and he knew that it was just a little bit better um, and whether that was a, a race, what he did with the all-star race, taking that to a new level, lighting Charlotte Motor Speedway, condominiums, you know, the, the list goes on and on with the impact that he had and the vision and the number of times people would have said, no, you can't do that. You don't want to do that. And Bruton would continue to push only for us all to realize that he, he really had an amazing vision that we just didn't see until later. And carrying that vision forward, Jerry, that, that drive to just do the undoable, to just say, it, it, I don't want to hear impossible, like we can do anything. Where, where does Speedway Motorsports go from here, and how do you carry on uh, the Bruton Smith legacy at Bristol and elsewhere in the future? Well, uh, thankfully, Marcus Smith's leadership, he is his father's son, that's for sure, because he has that same vision and that same drive and same um, how do we continue to raise the bar and make it better. Uh, that certainly clearly is in the DNA. So that's the Speedway Motorsports that we go forward with. Uh, that and always reminding us, Bruton did it, that we work for the race fans, that we work for the race fans and he wants us to have fun while we're doing it. And that's what we'll all continue to do, uh, strive towards every single day. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. We sure appreciate uh, you and your insights on this. Uh, we appreciate it. Have a great night. Thank you, guys. Man, it's amazing when you, when you hear that, especially from a guy like Jerry, who we know has, has been right there. Um, someone else that has seen and worked with Bruton uh, over the years is our very own Kyle Petty. Uh, Kyle's going to join us now. And certainly when you think about a person who's grown up uh, at racetracks the way Kyle has, you've certainly seen a lot. Parker Kligerman is joining us well uh, from our studios. Uh, Kyle, let's start with you. Um, Bruton Smith, in your lifetime, has always been there, has always played a huge part of racing. Um, tell us your thoughts today. Uh, it's a, I think it's a very sad day, um, and, and I've said this before, because he was that connection still to the beginning of the sport. And, and, and I listened to Jerry talk a little bit, and, um, and, and, you know, we seem to go back to 90 or 95 or lighting Charlotte and things like that. Listen. Bruton Smith was there in the very, very, very beginning. Bruton Smith, you talk, Jerry talks about pushing. Bruton Smith pushed Bill France Sr. They had the same vision. They had the same thoughts about the sport. They had the same place they wanted the sport to go. Bill France went in one direction, and Bruton went in another direction. But they came back together in the 60s when he built Charlotte. He has meant so much to this sport. Um, and And especially those early, early years, when we're talking in the late 40s and early 50s and into the 50s, that's when Bruton Smith had a huge impact on the sport that still reverberates through the sport today. It's not just the racing facilities. It's not just the racing facilities. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. I, I think the thing is, and, and I, I, I've sent a, I said it earlier, there's been a lot, and I say a lot, there's been a number of great men who have come through this sport. But there's been very few visionaries. 
and and Bruton Smith may have been one of the greatest visionaries that this sport had. And it goes all the way back to the 40s. It's not the 70s. It's not the 80s. It's not the 90s. It goes all the way back to the 40s and the 50s. So um, for me, he was my connection to Lee Petty. He was my connection to Buck Baker and, and to Curtis Turner and those guys who in turn were, were connected to my dad, were connected to me. So uh, for my family, from the Petty family, we send our sincerest condolences uh, to the Smith family because it is, it is honestly a sad, sad day uh, for, for people who have known him our whole life. Parker, let's go to you uh, uh, from a different perspective of a younger driver. Um, what did Bruton Smith and his legacy, how did that impact your career and understanding of NASCAR as a whole? Well, I just think he was one of those guys that you knew when you saw them at a racetrack or you saw or heard stories about him. He was one of those architects of the sport as we know it today, right? And I always am fascinated by that. And I think as young drivers are coming to the sport, you, can't, you kind of get exposed to certain people you've seen on TV and you've heard their names and you've read about them. And then it's real. You're, you're meeting that person in, in person and you're suddenly there and in the sport that they built that you've been watching from afar. And for me, Bruton Smith was just absolutely one of those integral architects of creating the sport into being a sport I wanted to go into, right? That I wanted to be a driver and I wanted to race at his tracks, at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the 600, at Bristol Motor Speedway. Like, I wanted to be there. And you go and you watch some of the older races and some of the documentaries about the sport and you see the name Bruton Smith consistently, right? As Kyle alluded to, he was so integral, especially in those early days to you know, driving stock car racing to becoming not just something in the Southeast, but to go towards becoming a national mainstream sport that people were watching from all over the country and even the world to paying attention to. And I just, I love meeting those people and hearing the stories about those people because as you become a part of the sport and you get into it and you have the privilege of getting to race and be one of those new names in the sport, it's really fascinating to go you know, research and think and talk to those people. And so it's just a very sad day, as Kyle alluded to, to lose someone like that, that has been so integral into creating the thing that we all love so dearly and knowing that they were just instrumental in making that happen. And I, I love some of the quotes I've been reading from Bruton that basically say, I just love this sport so much. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to find more ways to contribute. And those are the people that do, as Kyle said, you know, create it into something that maybe other people couldn't see. They're the visionaries that make it into what we have now. And so he definitely fit that bill. And it's a very sad day for the sport to lose him. Hey, Kyle, I want to bring you back in and go back to what you said uh, in your first answer about how uh, that Bruton and Bill France saw NASCAR and viewed the sport in a very similar way. I think it's important that we touch on this, that there was a creative tension there, right? I mean, Bruton, as we know, very flamboyant, very outspoken. He wasn't afraid to butt heads with NASCAR a little bit, but in a way, that, that brought about a better NASCAR, right? For sure, for sure. I, I believe that. Um, you know, I, I think if we go back, listen, this is a personal story for me. If we go back, my granddad would have won four championships in NASCAR, but he ran a race for Bruton Smith and his outlaw sanctioned body race and bill france senior docked points from him so he finished second in the points so that's that's how much creative tension there was between these two guys they were running neck and neck side by side in the end bill france and nascar wins Bruton smith he doesn't go away he loves the sport so much he doesn't go away 
And you have to look at Bill, Bill France Sr., uh, or I do. I look at Bill France Sr. and Bruton Smith just like I look at Buck Baker and Lee Petty, David Pearson and Richard Petty, Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Sr. You have to have that rivalry. You have to have that those two guys pushing each other, pushing each other, pushing each other to make the game better, to make the sport better, to make racing better. And that's what happened. Those two guys pushed. They never saw eye to eye, but the, they never saw eye to eye on a lot of things. Let me say that. But they did see eye to eye and heart to heart on how they felt about stock car racing and where they wanted NASCAR to go. Kyle, I'm just curious off those comments. You know, to me and everything I've read about Bruton Smith and sort of seen a lot of and watched a lot of about him, you know, he seemed to be one of those people, those rare individuals, especially in racing, that simply just asked the question, why? Why is something yeah. done that way? You know, basically to push the sport forward, they'd say, okay, it's always been done that way. And he'd say, why? Right? When you think back to some of the things, the changes he made, a lot of people talk about the fan experience and sort of the promotion of races where he asked, why is it done that way, right? Is there some things out there you can specifically remember that really stick out to you that you walked into an SMI track and thought, oh, that's different? <laughs> Listen, it, have you ever walked into an SMI track when something wasn't different? You know, <laughs> why run under the lights? You know, and, and, and here's the thing. Why run a 600-mile race? Everybody else was running 500-mile races. Why run a 600-mile race? Why run under the lights? Why do a mile-and-a-half <laughs> racetrack and run under the lights? Why have the world's... Why, why have big halls in Texas? Why have, you know, why, why build grandstands all the way around Bristol? We can look at a million places. Why change the racetrack at Sears Point, at Sonoma? Uh, it, you know, why change that racetrack? That racetrack had been one way forever and ever. Bruton did all of that, all of that for fans, for fans. When you look at it, it was to give the fans a better experience, a better opportunity. Why build condos? Why not? That's what Bruton said. Why not build condos at the racetrack? <laughs> Why not have pre-race and, and, and really blow it out? He talked about going at an early age and his dad taking him to, to, to a race, to a county fair, to a dirt track somewhere. And the pre-game or the pre-race show was what mesmerized him. What mesmerized him and got him hooked on racing was what the pre-race was. Was a guy jumping a school bus? Was a guy jumping a motorcycle? Was a guy diving out of a, of a balloon? It didn't make any difference. He was a promoter. But that goes back again to those early, early years where you had to be a promoter to get fans to come out in the late 40s, early 50s. You had to be a promoter to get fans to come from Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way out to Concord to see a race and see a 600-mile race on a newly built racetrack in 1960 that he and Curtis Turner built. So I, I think those are the things for me. Is And, and that was a great question because the answer was he asked, he asked the question why, but then he moved the needle on why. He made something happen every time. <clears throat> Cal, here's a question. You know, you've certainly been around. You saw the Cola Wars with Coke and Pepsi, and it took those two entities to bring them to everybody. But I think one thing that people may not realize is that, you know, NASCAR as a brand, as an organization, wouldn't be where or what it is without Bruton Smith, his, his invention, his creativity, it's all those things. But... You know, he also, to your point, you've said a lot yeah. that, that they were kind of butting heads, but really they needed each other to grow, to thrive, to survive. Is, is Bruton as important to NASCAR as NASCAR itself? Oh, yes. No, no, no ifs, ands, and buts. Listen, um, I, I think, you know, and, and 
listen, this is not something new. I'm a, I'm a huge Bruton Smith. I'm a huge Mark, huge Marcus Smith, Smith family fan, uh, for sure, because I know what they did in those early years. I know what Bruton did to for my grandfather, Patty, for my family, to keep this sport going and keep this sport moving. So, again, I say he is, you know, people talk about cornerstones of the sport, and they talk about the France family. You have to put the Smith family and Bruton Smith on another corner of that because they may have been on opposite corners looking at each other and pushing each other but when you push when you create that friction it creates growth um and that's what they did and and listen i do not believe i do not believe without bruton smith poking and prodding and smi poking and prodding the france family and, and isc and nascar itself without them doing that NASCAR doesn't grow like it grows. NASCAR's not what it is. The TV's not what it is. Uh, nothing that we have is what it is uh, without Bruton Smith. Kyle, thanks for your input. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, again, a, a sad day, Bruton Smith passing at the age of 95. Certainly this sport would not be where it is without all of his help. We will be back with lots more NASCAR motor mouths right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Welcome to Daytona International Speedway. It is the Duel at Daytona. 21 cars, 60 laps. The duels are two races, and you are competing to get your spot at the Daytona 500. She's right on. Yes. It's always exciting over here on the Daytona Super Stretch. And this is the first real race that these new cars have been in. All right, it's getting real now. The duels are kind of like our first practice you do know after the duel what kind of speed you have going into sunday night one boys let's have fun tonight boys we worked our asses off all off season let's show them let's go come on three one two three drivers start your engine about 500 feet away, the green flag goes in the air, and we're racing. This week in motorsports, we have got a packed schedule for you. Our buddy Phil Parsons is on the Dale Jr. download. We got IMSA WeatherTech from Watkins Glen on Sunday. Plus, we've got Monster Jam from Miami on Saturday. MotoGP is in the Netherlands on Sunday. Of course, Xfinity Series is going to be with us in Nashville along with the Cup Series on Sunday. That'll be Saturday, Xfinity on USA. Uh, we are really excited we're going to be over there. We'll be back on NBC on Sunday. But speaking of big things happening on USA Network, how about Austin Dillon and his new show, Life in the Fast Lane? That premieres Thursday night, which is so exciting on USA. And guess who's joining us today? That's right, 
Austin Dillon is joining us uh, live today. Austin, man, first off, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's a busy week. We're all super excited because NBC is taking back over in Nashville. But, man, you've got a different kind of excitement. The world is going to get to see you, your wife, your family, your besties in a whole new way. Man, tell me, how are you feeling right now about life in the fast lane coming out Thursday night on USA? Well, that's like the first clip of it, and um, I'm already disappointed in Paul's language right off the bat. But past that, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I guess to, to see how it all comes together. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we uh, had a fun time filming with uh, our friends there and um, showing, I guess, you know, what our sport does, you know, the, the grind that it is, the travel, getting to the track. Um, and, you know, I've got a great support system around me at RCR, um, you get some funny times in there. I think for me, one of my favorite moments of the show is probably going to be the West Coast swing. Um, we stayed out like we do each year and travel from Vegas to Phoenix. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm pumped about, uh, you know, what's to come for the show. And um, I, I, I totally said uh, to Paul, Merrill, and Whitney, like, hey, I'm not about a reality show. The uh, only way I'll do it, if it's our group, and, you know, we get to show like RCR and what we do as a family. And I f sure enough, I get a call and it's like, hey, let's let's uh, do this pilot thing. They're wanting to do it just us and, you know, your group. And I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. It's never going to happen. And here I am. I'm day away from uh, getting the premiere of our new show, Austin Dillon's Life in the Fast Lane on USA Network. So pretty exciting. Um, I definitely put a lot of ultimatums out to make this happen. Like, no, no, no and everything got answered, so we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> well, it, it certainly seems, Austin, like you and Whitney and Paul and Muriel are, are all sort of comfortable uh, with the reality show kind of format. What, what is it about, I guess, the chemistry between the four of you that seems to make this work well? Um, I mean, being able to be ourselves was a big key to that. We had an awesome producer that um, had produced some shows for Duck Dynasty, and I just wanted to be, a, be ourselves, not really scripted and i'm not about drama um the girls obviously you know whitney loves uh she grew up watching the kardashians and all these different reality shows and um i was like look it's not going to be drama filled there's enough drama in nascar without having to make any um it's truly just about you know traveling going up and down the road um having a family in nascar um it, it's pretty cool to do what we get to do and then hopefully in all this you know nascar is what gave us this platform so hopefully in the end we just bring more eyes to the sport people that wouldn't normally tune in get to tune in and i feel like there's a character in the show um that everybody can kind of relate to in some form or habit i mean paul brings a lot of juice and energy mary and whitney they're they're hilarious um there's always something funny and then i'm serious uh pretty much the whole time i'm kind of in the background more um, just doing my thing focused on uh, my main job, which is driving a race car. So I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that we started off the season uh, with some good races uh, that the show got to cover. And they also were at Charlotte a couple weeks ago and uh, so close there to almost pulling off a win. So I was, uh, I was reluctant to say that we, 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 during the filming, we still stayed on task and had some good runs. Austin, uh, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, that you know, you, myself and you have been friends for a long time. We may not be reality show guys, but I can tell you my girlfriend is a huge fan of your wife and was very excited when she saw this announcement. So she's probably that prime viewer. But I think I'm interested as someone that's been the sport and raced with you. 
what am I going to see? Maybe that's a little different. What is, you know, what is, what did you find and what did you do? What did you bring to the show that you felt like pertains to someone like myself that knows the sport, but's going to see something different or a different side of you that maybe I don't even know about. Yeah, I think um, just uh, hopefully, uh, like I said, I actually haven't been watching all the episodes, so I don't have a clue until tomorrow. But I know that they showed a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff at the shop. You know, walking through the shop with my grandfather at one point, um, a couple team meetings they're sitting in on. Um, obviously, we're not going to go in depth as much as the F1 show did, where they're back there meeting all the different guys. But I mean, you're, you see me talk to the mechanics. Uh, there's a little bit of the simulator. I mean, so much goes into the simulator now for us because we don't have practice today. I was at Chevrolet's sim from 7.30 to 12.30. Um, you see me at RCR on the simulator there. Um, and then also I've been pretty – another tacked on my schedule this year. I'm, I'm general manager of a PBR team. So the extracurricular business that's going on that my grandfather has me in, um, that that's an episode. So uh, – I think that for the avid NASCAR fan, we, we teach you about NASCAR. We show you the shop. We show you the guys that are working on the car. Um, we get in-depth with pit stops uh, with Paul. Um, obviously, that our, our team has done a really good job this year, being one of the best on pit road. But it didn't start off that great with the next-gen pit stop and kind of learning that, um, you know, how they had to change um, from the old-style pit stop to the new. A um, lot of fun stuff there, but I think everybody can get a kick out of it if you're a hardcore nascar fan we'll, we'll give you some of what you love uh if you've never if you don't know anything about it you'll be able to relate to uh some of the characters in the show well first i'm just glad we're getting a shout out for shannon in there i wondered about your pbr team uh all of this is going to be great and i think just for fans wondering when parker tweets out a picture of like got that upgrade i don't think that's the kind of travel we're going to see covered in the show but we'll all find out <laughs> Thursday night, 9.30 on USA. But let's take a, a, a caller uh, now, one of the greatest fans we know in this sport. Our buddy Marvin Blue has got a question for Austin. Marvin, welcome. Go ahead, buddy. How you doing, AD? I'm doing good. How you doing, Marv? I'm doing pretty good, man. And I want to let you know firsthand, I'm going to be watching Thursday night at 9.30 on USA. But, buddy, I got a question for you. What is the biggest surprise we can expect this season on Life in the Fast Lane on the USA Network? Uh, probably a lesson about red meat uh, from Mariel. Um, we're on the road trip on the West Coast, and probably one of the most hilarious things that I've heard um, comes out of Mariel's mouth at, while we're eating lunch, and it, uh, it just happened naturally. One of those, I guess, when I was younger, if there was a reality show, like the Jessica Simpson moment, like I remember that, and this one's pretty good. I mean, you're gonna have to tune in to watch. But on our West Coast trip, there's uh, some pretty entertaining stuff that happens on the uh, road trip. Shout out to that's a chicken of the sea reference. If anyone <laughs> didn't watch that show with Nicholas Shea and Jessica like Simpson, the original reality. Oh, thank show. you, Austin, for knowing that. Yeah. Nate, you had a question. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to bring this back to racing, Austin, but I feel like I gotta ask. I mean, uh, NASCAR NBC schedule kicks off. Sunday, Nashville Super Speedway, 10 straight races to set the 16-driver field for the playoffs. I know RCR is still looking for its first win. How do you feel like yourself and Tyler Reddick are situated uh, heading into these final 10 races of the regular season? Well, personally, I think that um, we're in a good situation to not have to think about points because we need to win. Uh, in my mind, both of us, 
need to figure out how to get to victory lane. Uh, I, I think this is the first year and NASCAR has a real shot of getting 16 winners um, or close to it. I mean, for me, we've got uh, looking at that schedule. That's good to see. And we'll, we'll definitely have some races in there circled as places that, you know, we want to go out there and have a shot. And this weekend's a good one. I've uh, won the truck race in Nashville and been competitive in the Xfinity Series in Nashville. So um, we've got uh, 10 races to try and figure out a way to lock ourselves in and some good ones mixed in there. Uh, that we can compete well at so but we're pretty much just focused on trying to get a win um, you know points that that can happen I've been on the outside looking in I've had two solid seasons uh, back to back I feel like from a point standpoint and, and still outside looking in so um, pretty much just focused on one thing and that's trying to go to victory lane you mentioned that maybe points are not the focus right now, Austin. I'm just curious, you know, last year we saw you sort of in a different sort of battle with your teammate where you guys were vying to get into the playoffs and it was really only going to be one of you. Does that sort of change the pressure, even though both of you probably have to find your way in through win, that, you know, between amongst the teammates a little bit in terms of that you just have to focus on winning, it's not so much you have to outpoint each other, kind of like it was last year? Yeah, you know, I think some of the, the last three races of the year, I'd say, you know, we were trying to copy each other when it came down to strategy. Um, and it, it kind of took some of the things that we could have done. I think we were both really fast at the Indy Road course. And um, we were kind of staying late on stages to get stage points and running one, two at the end of stages, but um, setting ourselves back from a standpoint of, of having a shot to win. So uh this year a little different when you look at those points totals and and uh you know there's always that opportunity to have a really solid 10 races and, and make up a lot of points ground but with only four spots available um we got to do more our job as a group at rcr to work together to put one of us in victory lane if that's strategy um staying out being aggressive and protecting each other as much as we can to, to figure out how to to be leading on the last lap we've been oh so close i mean 600 uh, Fontana this year, Martinsville had a good car. So three opportunities. Hopefully we get a, three more in these last 10. Austin, we sure appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know everybody's excited to see your new show, Austin Dillon's Life in the Fast Lane, Thursdays on USA Network 930. But, man, we're excited. We want to see you back in victory lane, especially in these NBC races. Let's make that happen. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to do it uh, in, in the NBC portion of the schedule. So we'll see if we can uh, make it happen on USA with our show. There we go. That's, how, that's what we're talking about. Austin Dillon, everybody. We've got lots more motor mouths next and including another driver. How about Sam Mayer is going to be joining us next after this. You don't want to miss it. Make sure you call in 1-844-NASCAR-NBC. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. second time in 2022. Brandon Jones wins. Noah Gregson across the line and he will score the win. Josh Berry wins the A-game 200. It's over at Darlington.
checkered flag in the air, and Justin Allgaier has broken the drought on the mile-and-a-half Charlotte Motor Speedway. Josh Berry is going to win by three-quarters of a mile. A.J. Allmendinger gets it done and finds a way to win at Portland International Raceway. Man, love that Xfinity Series. We've got practice Friday at 5.30 live on USA. we got qualifying 12 Eastern on Saturday. And, of course, countdown to green and the race on USA Network all from Nashville this weekend. Plus, if you look at the Cup Series schedule, we've got a lot going on. We've got practice Friday night. you got uh, also qualifying both of those on USA. Sunday, countdown to green is on Peacock. Then we hop over to NBC for the race 5 p.m. Eastern live from Nashville Super Speedway. Speaking of live, we're going to welcome in Sam Mayer now, one of the Xfinity Series drivers. Sam, man, it is so great to have you with us. Uh, I really knew that you were taking off when I was at a Newfound Glory concert and their bassist, Ian Grushka, was like, hey, when can I meet Sam Mayer? He's my favorite racer. And I was like, "Where? what happened? He's like, you know what? I've, ha- I've seen him have a couple dust-ups. I like this guy. He's got the talent. He's got the heart. Man, it's cool to see your success and the way that people have responded to it. Has, has your kind of success in NASCAR, has it been sort of everything that you thought it might be so far? Yeah, I mean, it certainly has been tons of fun uh, racing in the Xfinity Series for pretty much a full year now. Uh, obviously, uh, want to get that win sooner that, rather than later, but the success has definitely been on the stride in the last eight weeks. So we're definitely looking forward to keeping that going. Uh, obviously, JRM is a powerhouse right now, and we're definitely looking forward to the next couple of weeks with them. You talk about getting that first win, Sam. I, I think I remember you joining NASCAR America Motor Mouse last year, and you saying, like, hey, this is something I think I can do right off the bat. I can win right away. It seems like you've been close a lot, but are, have you? do you feel like you are getting closer? You're on the cusp of it? Is there a track you have circled saying, hey, that's, that's where I'm going to break through? Yeah, I mean, we've been really fast week in, week out at every single racetrack we show up to, whether it's an intermediate track or super speedway or short track. We've been fast literally ever, everywhere we've gone, and uh, we've been so close. We've had literally a different problem at every single racetrack, and uh, it, we've been so close, so close, so close. And I'm really looking forward to the next couple of weeks because we uh, just came off a break, obviously. So going back into it after a couple off weeks, uh, just kind of getting that refresher and getting ready to go is uh, looking forward to keeping that momentum up. Sam, we just saw a shot of you passing Justin Allgaier there, who's kind of an Xfinity Series stalwart, of course, and sort of a benchmark for many young drivers that come this series. Being a teammate of his, you know, what have you been able to learn from him? I, I was a teammate of his back at Penske, and he was always a great driver and being someone that would show you sort of their whole notebook because he felt like, you know, it helped the whole organization. What, what have you learned from him through this process as you've shown a ton of speed, but maybe even just some of the things that have been helping you say, you know what, if I do that, I know I can get that win from what I've learned from him. Yeah, I mean, I've been learning from him for pretty much about a year now, and uh, there's so much stuff that I wouldn't know if it wasn't for him. So he's been a huge help to me. Obviously, Josh coming on the scene, being in the eight car for the first half of the year last year before I got in it, uh, I leaned on him a lot too just for kind of like the people aspect because he really he did work with the same people that I am working with now. So I kind of leaned on him a little bit for the relationship aspect with how they work, how they like communicate and everything like that. So I was able to lay on really all my JRM teammates in one way or another. And uh, I wouldn't be 
as far as I am today without all of them. So really, it's a kind of a big thank you to them. But now at the same time, I'm kind of outrunning some of them sometimes. Like I have a good run here and there, and I'm one of the better JRM cars in some tracks. Like like at Dover, we were one of the best ones. So now they're kind of like, oh, man, we actually have to race this kid. So it's a little <laughs> different now, but it's still tons of fun. Obviously, JRM is uh, a family organization, so we treat each other as like brothers, and we race like brothers. So it's, it's come, it's good stuff, and it's also hard stuff. I mean, it's got to be cool to see that eighth in Xfinity Series points moniker there with your name. Let's talk about what have been some of the hardest things for you in the Xfinity Series in this year or so that you've been in there. What's been your biggest challenge? Yeah, I mean, just for me as a young driver, it's like the mile and a half stuff with the aerodynamics is huge. Like, I didn't get any experience on mile and a half until I got to Xfinity just purely because of my age. Like, I was at a really big deficit uh, in the learning aspect because I didn't really get any ARCA or truck practice on intermediate. So, kind of like just learning the aerodynamics of these big tracks and then also learning the aerodynamics of these different parts. So. I kind of got thrown in with the wolves last year, but it definitely made me develop faster and get me ready for this year. You talk about getting thrown in with the wolves there, Sam. Looking at the playoff leaderboard here, uh, seven guys who are in the playoffs with wins. You're right there outside in eighth position. What's the Xfinity Series been like uh, this season? Uh, how would you describe it? Is it? I, I guess it might seem a little bit cutthroat given your uh, situation at Martinsville. I mean, you've been in some of the feuds here. Is it? Has it been kind of tooth and nail battling with some of these guys for, for wins? I mean, it's been tons of fun. Like, I've had so much fun with this year because, I mean, anytime you do have, like, better success than you had in years past, it's kind of like, man, that's a breath of fresh air. Now I'm really starting to have some fun. But once I do get that first win, uh, I feel like the floodgates are really going to start to open up and we're going to get a bunch of them and rack them off and be even better in the playoff scenario. Like, we're right now we're the first driver without a win in the playoff point. So, obviously, we've been doing our job. Uh, with getting points and stuff and stages and everything with stage wins and stuff. So it's just a matter of just going out there and getting that win and letting the floodgates open up. Sam, what I like about you is every time I've talked to you, you always have a huge smile on your face. And you just said something I don't often hear from young drivers, especially at this level, which was that you're having fun with the racing, right? They're always talking about how they're having to learn, how serious, how hard it is. And often we have to ask, like, hey, what do you do away from the racetrack for fun? So what does Sam Mayer enjoy away from racing for some of the fans out there getting to know you? Obviously, this is a series where names are made. What do you want them to know about Sam Mayer away from the racing, even though he has so much fun doing it, obviously? Yeah, honestly, like, it, it's sad to say, but I have so much fun with racing that any way I can get my hands on a race car or be at the racetrack or have something to do with competitiveness in a car uh, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm a really competitive person. Uh, I love to have fun with it, but if it comes down to it, I'm going to get really mad if I start losing too much. So uh, <laughs> definitely, I'm definitely going to continue to be as aggressive as I have been in the past uh, because I'm really looking for that first win. But it really is part of it. It's just that competitive nature of being around the racetrack all the time. Like I gave up a lot of stuff in my in my childhood to be at the racetrack every single weekend for 36 weeks out of the year, doing go-karts, legend cars, late models, like just everything along this ladder up to where I am now I've uh, I've been at the racetrack pretty much every week so I've given a lot of stuff up to do that but uh, I just I love all sports like I love going to the tennis course playing tennis or basketball I love basketball uh, I love doing it in like the pool and stuff like that just messing around but uh, I'm just I like to relax when I'm not at the racetrack because when I'm at the racetrack that's when I go full blow Sam, we sure appreciate you joining us, buddy. We're going to see you all weekend long on USA Network. 
Good luck in Nashville. We will see you out there, buddy. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. That's Sam Mayer coming up. We've got one of the superstars of WWE who will also be in Nashville. There he is, the man himself. Sheamus is going to join us right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Doing this, bro. Just broke my hand. I'm not going to get slammed through a table. Yes. Um, someone let a kid in here. Are you me? We're going to toughen up your post-race interviews. We want you to be convincing to everybody watching. Let's see how you go. Okay. Right? Okay. okay. Perfect. I want to thank my sponsors. So I got to thank my sponsors, Monster Energy, Chevrolet. I got Gear Wrench and Alpine Star in case I, I, I catch on fire. Did I lose it? Are you constipated or something? It's just one of those racing deals. It's just short track racing. It's one of them racing deals. Are you Hillbilly Jim there or something? I don't know, I guess. Come on, let's see this, come on. It's one of them racing deals. What's, what's the story here? You parachuting down or like something? You. He was completely sideways coming off the corner. You guys saw that. You know what happened. Your brother did a better job. No, he certainly did not. Yeah, he did. My car wouldn't turn all day. When I say that, it has, they don't, you know what you get? 10-4. 10-4 means we don't give a shit. Come on. I hate it for my guys. Yeah, come on again. Come on. I hate it. I hate it for my guys. They're the ones that do all the hard work. Yeah. Even though you don't really mean that, that's awesome. Perfect sell, right? How about this? A catchphrase, right? Give it to the fans. Do it. You're about to handle on a bad day. I've already got all the hardware this year. But next year, I'm coming out for you guys. It's gonna be the Kyle driver. Kiss my bass. I've seen two-year-olds do better impressions. <laughs> this is your Halloween costume? It is, yeah. Now I understand why people call you the ladies' man. <laughs> it's well known that Kale Yarbrough made his own engine noises when he was driving for NASCAR. I wanna hear your engine noises. Wumba! Mm, <laughs> Have ever gotten a fight? I gotta pick my battles now. Okay. But who'd win in the fight right now? I mean, he can't even beat up Logano, so <laughs> I got him. Every WB superstar has a finishing move. What's your finishing move? I like to do impressions. Get out of my sight. With a guaranteed championship opportunity on the line, your favorite superstars will do whatever it takes to seize their moment. Don't miss WWE Money in the Bank Saturday, July 2nd at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, streaming live on Peacock, and catch WWE Raw every Monday at 8, 7 Central, only on USA. That right there is the man Sheamus. That, that video from 2019, dude, still so good. Uh, and the fact that 
I think we forget that sometimes these guys, they do need a little more coaching, but I was reminded there <laughs> that Martin Truex still one of the nicest dudes ever, right? Even in the face of, of weak engine noises, Seamus, you still find a way to pump people up, man. Welcome back to the show. We're so excited you're going to be joining us this week in Nashville. Have you, you've always seemed to really enjoy your time around the NASCAR drivers. I do, you know, I do. I, I really think it's a huge uh, uh, crossover between WWE and and, uh, and NASCAR, especially with the fans as well. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, I see a lot of fans when I'm out who like they're, they're, they love both sports, sports entertainment, obviously the sport of NASCAR, and uh, I have a lot of fun too because it's a, it's for me. It's, I'm just like a big kid out there. You know what I mean? Like, I get to like jump in these these like supercars, super NASCAR, like uh, muscle cars they call them in the states. I just have to crack right there, right? When we did the burnout on Broadway, I got in the car and I was looking around for about five minutes for uh, seatbelts. Of course, no seatbelts. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, all right, I guess this is it. You know what I mean? But um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, NASCAR, I mean, super, uh, super nice to me as well. And they like welcomed me in with open arms. And uh, I just enjoy being, being around the drivers and the teams and, and of course, the organization. It's a lot of fun. So, Seamus, I know you spend your life on television and in front of thousands of people, but you're going to be waving the green flag for Sunday's Cup race at Nashville Super Speedway. Do you get nervous? Do you get excited? Are there any nerves that go into waving the green flag and starting a Cup race? I actually waved the uh, green flag a couple of months back when we were in L.A. to call it the clash. And uh, I was almost tempted to super glue that thing onto my hand just to make sure because I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I guarantee you I'm going to the, I'm the first nutter here who's just going to like basically let that flag fall out of my hand. You know what I mean? But uh, it's just try not to make uh, make an, an agent of yourself. You know what I mean? That's that's the key, especially when I'm, I'm going into like someone else's uh, backyard. You know what I mean? Um, it's Which is unfamiliar to me. But the more of these I do, uh, the more familiar I get and the less the nerves go away. But it's still a massive thrill as well, especially standing out there. And those muscle cars just spun around the track, and, like the noise, the engines, and everything, and like just how close you are to the action—it's unbelievable. I, uh, I did the—I uh, was pace car for Daytona in 2020 before the whole world was shut down, um, and it was awesome. Like I think I, I think I was winning the race. I think I was still winning the race uh, for the whole week because I, I like I did about seven or eight laps. Uh, we had the CEO of Coca-Cola in the back. And there was uh, obviously there was someone from NASCAR here beside me, but it was so much fun. I was doing like 80 around that track in Daytona, and actually, to be honest with you, it felt like it was doing 15 mile an hour. That's that's just like that's just the experience that you know. What I mean, then you take off and you see those cars just bailing around, like just just like a, it's going so fast it's a blur. Do you know what I mean? But uh, it was it was an unbelievable thing. I actually, my nephew was born that day at Daytona 2020, so I got the the car and I got the whole program built off frame from. So that, that, that went in his bedroom wall as well. So it was, it was a double kind of like double celebration day for me. That's awesome. I love it, man. I love to hear people experiencing racing and just love it as much as you have and showing that passion for it. But one thing we've seen as of late, sometimes in the Xfinity Series, a little bit in Cup, is some fights break out. And actually, there's some drivers that have been taking fighting lessons as of late. So I got a question for you. What, what should every driver have in their arsenal sort of as a move when another driver approaches them after a race, sort of like, this is my go-to thing to make sure this guy doesn't want to mess with me next time? Well, it goes, goes, with, goes with a question, man. Bro kick. You know, <laughs> as soon as they step up, you hit with that bro kick. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Standing up leading shots. This is standing up to each other, backing up, and throwing these little punches and stuff. You know what I mean? Swinging these, swing, wild swinging and stuff. And, 
talking. There's no need for talking. You know what I mean? There's already it's already heated. Look at that. The headlock you took him down. That's good. It's good for the headlock there. You know what I mean? Good amateur wrestling move. But what you want to do is you know it's going to kick off, right? This talking stuff or this like pointing your finger and you know this CB swings come a mile away. But you catch him with that bro kick, which is a kind of jumping uh, pump kick. No, it's over. Don't have to worry about it. Bam! Just be in there for us. And the argument's over. You just move on to the next race. Well, I'm just taking notes. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say, Seamus, uh, Parker races uh, many weekends when he's not on camera for So I think really that was the old I've got a friend who's wondering, but it's really, it's really just Parker. So it's I think a, that's, a, you that's got, a great question. You got me. Uh, also, you. I'd like to point out, Seamus, when you, guys, when you guys as superstars, I've never seen any of you wearing helmets. So clearly a lot of these NASCAR drivers aren't watching your shows <laughs> to realize what a real fight looks like. You gotta take the helmet off. You know what I mean? That's cheating already. Thing is though, like uh, I played rugby years in when I was in Ireland, and uh, we never wore helmets there either. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like it was a really, it was a really great uh, test for me or start for me before I went into the WWE. Um, but you know, at the same time, I think I think the biggest thing in these sports as well is the fact that like you know people just see the actual races or in WWE they see the fights but they don't see what goes on be, be, uh, behind the scenes as well and like the amount of like physical exertion these guys put out in a race I mean they're in their, they're in cars for hours in unbelievable heat and they're you know they're going around that track and they got to keep I mean, their concentration has to be on point and um, I was more I was very interested when I did the first when we did the interview stuff that you put on at the beginning of uh, well before I came on the show and um, I just, I was very interested asking what the regime, or what the regime was, how they worked out, you know what I mean? How they took care of their fitness and their diet and everything. But that's, that's just important. It's not just about driving a car. It's about being your best, a top physical condition as well to drive that car for such a long time. Again, with other opponents breathing down your neck, you know? I, I just, I, I find that sort of really, really exciting. But I'll tell you what else I find exciting. I find the fact that I've been here in Nashville for four years. It's my home away from home. And I'm super excited uh, to be at the Nashville Super uh, Speedway this Sunday. And I want to thank, uh, you know, Eric Moses as well, who's the president of the, of the track, uh, for letting me come down and act like a big 12-year-old kid, even though I'm a lot older than that. But when I go to those tracks, I feel like a 12-year-old kid. Man, that's it. Seamus, I was going to ask you what you think about Nashville, but I already know you love the place. We're so excited as, as NBC is headed back. We're taking over the races. We can't wait to see you there this weekend thanks for joining us brother we're so excited to have you yeah i also want to say this too man i, you know, I was blown away by the, how authentic the race car drivers were as well like stars they always said to me i've always heard the term like you know never meet your heroes because they always be disappointed yeah and i want to get on the, so i think that the guy who really stood out for me was dale Earnhardt jr like he was an unbelievable fella i know he's loved by everybody across the country especially hardcore nascar fans everybody knows who he is but i'll be honest with you he was a total gent class act and i hope to get to see him again this sunday as well because that'll just that'll be the ice on the cake for me absolutely man we can't wait to see you out there this weekend big thanks to seamus and all our guests today joining us for NASCAR on NBC Motormouse. We will see you this weekend, Friday on USA Network and Saturday on Peacock and NBC. We will see you Thursday night on USA Network for Life in the Fast Lane with Austin Dillon. Thank you for joining us. We will see you in Nashville. And I'll be teaching y'all bro kicks. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.